Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. All right, let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a good amen? amen. Alright, so Sundays we are having faith schools. Faith school. And uh, Wednesday we're having prayer school. Right? And we said we're going to introduce a third service just for the month of October. On Friday, we're having prosperity school. So it will be important for you to attend all the meetings, get totally immersed in the Word of God. I believe that through these teachings, God's Word, uh, God is going to, you know, just uh, reveal His Word to us and show us certain truths in the Word of God. Now, in, in prayer school this year, I feel very led of the Lord to teach along the lines of why should we pray? Why should we pray? Why should we pray? Understanding the importance of prayer. And um, I want to start by saying, gradually, when you see sometimes how people... Uh, walk or pray, especially in the church, for instance. If you lead a prayer request, let's say, let's pray for missionaries in Cambodia that the gospel will spread greatly. You know, people will just pray, oh, Father, thank you for the missionaries in Cambodia. Father, let the gospel spread, let the gospel spread. You know, they just pray that way. They say, let's pray that the kingdom of God will advance strongly in Nigeria. Oh, Father, we thank you. Let the kingdom advance. Let it move strongly. All right? Then you say, right now we're going to pray. Let the wealth of the nations come to us. You know, you see people who clear, they will remove, they are ready to pray now. The wealth of the nations. Right? Then, not in this church, except you are just coming new. If you now say, anybody who is standing against my promotion, you, you can see your response. You, you, you can see it. So we can tell some of the first timers, right? You know, that one, you don't even want anybody to be around you. you. Now, it's interesting. Follow me carefully. It's interesting that unconsciously to us, we have actually left the prayer request that God gave to us in scriptures. We've left them totally. The prayer request that really stirs us to pray now, unfortunately, are even things that God said we should not pray about. Praise God. So, pay very close attention. We have to now subject ourselves to relearning and renewing our mind. We have to. You see... Don't feel that you just believe it. Because I've heard, I've heard people, a couple of my peers, that we grew up understanding the Word of God, studying the Word of God, teaching the Word of God. I have seen them begin to change certain things. Because, you know, when you have traveled this path for a long time, it now looks like mm, once in a while, let's, you see, it's good though, I know this is good though, but once in a while, let's just throw fire in the, you, you understand? You just feel this thing is not like that. You know, the, this thing, the, you know, and before you know, you are almost turning away from the scripture. So I want to answer the question in three sessions that we have this month. Why should we pray? Why should we pray? So I, I want to lay a foundation by saying that there is no instruction of God in scriptures that is in vain. Okay? There is no instruction. So every instruction God gives in scripture, there is no instruction that is in vain. So I want to start with a particular instruction before we get into prayer. So for instance, as simple as seeking the Lord. Let's look at this. 
Jeremiah 29 verse 13. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13. Now, if you go to Jeremiah 29 verse 13, look at what the Bible says. It says, um, verse 12, let's start from verse 12. You know verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. You know that. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. So it says, if you call upon me, if you come to me and pray to me, I will listen to you. Go to verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So it tells us that if we search, we will find him. So it, it, it's, 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 it's a promise that will be fulfilled. If you search for me with all your heart, you would find me. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. Proverbs 8, 17. So remember, this is prayer school, no assumptions. We're going over it gradually. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. It says, I love those who love me. Talking about wisdom. And those who diligently seek me will find me. Now, pay attention to two phrases there. The first phrase in Jeremiah is that if you search for me with how many of your heart? All your heart. And what's our definition of all? Everything minus nothing. Alright, that's our church definition of all. Now, he says, I love those who love me. And those who do what? Diligently seek me will find me. Can we say diligently seeking will be seeking with all your heart? Right. That means diligently seeking is not just casually seeking. Right. It's not just casually seeking. It means there's some effort to it, there's some diligence to it, there's some care to it. All right. Now, come with me to um, Isaiah chapter 45 in verse 19, the NLT translation. Isaiah chapter 45 in verse 19. I publicly proclaim bold promises. The Lord speaking. He says, I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. Now, I want you to understand that phrase. Let me explain that phrase to you. And I've said it here, time without number. The Lord does not take pleasure in hiding from his children. God wants you to know him. God wants you to understand him. And that's why the study of the scriptures is important because the study of the scripture primarily is not to meet our needs but to teach us about God so we can offer true and acceptable worship. Are you following that now? So that whatever we're doing for the Lord will be accepted by Him. Now, it says, I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me, look at this, if I could not be found. Did you see that? He says, I wouldn't have told you to seek me if I would not be found. Now, it's important we pay attention to that. That means if the Lord is saying, seek me, it is because he has positioned himself in a way that he can be found. He's not saying, seek me, so that you will not find him. He says, I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. He says, I, the Lord, speak only what is true and declare only what is right. What am I trying to explain by this foundation? It's the fact that if there is something in Scripture that God has made available, it's because God wants us to have it. So if God says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, God expects you to expect the sick to recover when you lay hands on them. There is nothing in Scripture that God puts in Scripture to... to um, I, the best way to explain it, it's not a good example, but the best way to explain it is, you see some lecturers who come to class and tell you, uh, in this my course you cannot have an A, right? It's almost saying like, nobody can have an A. Like I said, it's, it's a very faulty educational mindset. Because a good teacher should want his students to be able to pass all, you know. So, if, if, a, if a lecturer comes and says, in this course you cannot have an A, he's trying to tell you, you know, no matter what you read, 
I don't care how hard you study, you're not going to make it. But God is not like that. God is telling you in scriptures you can have an A if you put all your heart to it. You can find me if you seek me. He says, if, I, if not, I will not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. The King James Version says, I will not have told them to seek me in vain. For I have not called the children of Israel or Jacob to seek me in vain. Which means that your exercise of seeking the Lord is not going to be in futility if you really want to see the Lord. Now, having said that, it brings us to the foundation of prayer. If God is not committed to answering prayers, he will not have asked us to pray. So if the Lord tells us to pray as a people, it is because he does what? He wants to answer. You see, that's the foundation we should get into prayer, the place of prayer uh, um, and from. That's the foundation. Because we can come to a place in our life where prayer is just um, an exercise of religion. Right? You say, have you prayed about it? You say, my brother, we are prayed though, but we are still, we are still, we are still putting our leg here and there. You know how this country is. Now, you, you understand? So, what, what that person is just trying to tell you is, when it comes to religious activity of prayer, I have done that one. But to get this problem solved, we are still busy. We are working. You know, you, because God might not answer that one. So, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? Then you will even hear Christians come say, it's not just about prayer. This issue is not prayer. It's not a prayer issue. You see, mm, it's true. So, what is true there? Is it, that, <laughs> is it that when we pray, God cannot answer? He's not willing to answer? Are you following what I'm saying? You see, and that's why on Sunday we'll talk about it. I, I, and I, I, even in my own life, I mean, like I say, I, I don't study messages to teach. Most of these things I teach are outflow of my personal study, my personal work with God. Even in my own life, and I, I, I think I said it on Sunday, that because, I, I mean, I work with a couple of young ministers, and over time I have been seeing this phrase come up a lot about if we had more money, we would do more for God. Right? If we had more money, we'd do more. So it almost looks like the call of God on our life is valid, but what is just holding us back is money. And one of my one of my heroes in life is George Muller. George Muller fed ten thousand orphans in Bristol, England, and he did everything by prayer. He did everything by prayer. You know, I have several of his biographies. I bought a new one because several people wrote about him. I bought a new one when I went to the U.S. and I was reading it. And as I was reading it, that impression kept coming to my heart that this man never complained of money. Every time there was a need, he went to God in prayers. Which means in his mind, money was not the issue, but what? He prayers, his work with God. So I've explained to you that the Bible says... We cannot seek God in vain. He wants us to see Him. He wants us to know Him. Which means that if God will not answer prayers, He will not ask us to pray. So that's the foundation. Now let's go on. Why should we pray? Remember, what, that's what we're talking about. Why should we pray? So in other words, if there were no benefits to prayers, God would not have asked us to pray. A, a, a brother by the name, he wrote a prayer book and I just bought it and I'm reading it. It's good, 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 good work. A pastor by the name of Pastor Popola. He said, you may fake a prayer life, but you cannot fake the fruits of a prayer life. I want you to write that down. I want you to write that down. Very important. Remember, this is prayer school. Write that quote down and meditate on it. You might fake a prayer life, but you cannot fake the fruits of a prayer life. How many of you have seen this Beautiful, we don't have them in our, in our church here, but how many of you have seen some of these artificial flowers, right? We've got this beautiful, what's it called now? This carpet that they put, uh, table mats, right? We've got, we've got one table mat in the office, right? In, in my, uh, my secretary's office. And it has this lovely banana, the table mat. Really nice banana. Good color, ripe. Every time I walk into the office and I see that table mat, you know what I feel, right? Yeah, you almost feel like, can I take one? But it's table mat, it's plastic. It's faking the real banana, but it's not. 
Or how many of you have seen these plastic trees that have really nice fruit? In some people's house, some of you have it, right? On the dining table. It has all kinds of fruits there. And from afar, like Jesus looking at the fig tree, right? You just enter the parlor, you feel like, oh, can I? They say, oh, sorry, it's plastic. That's why you realize that sometimes when you see some people pray in church, you, you will not expect that their lives will be a certain way. Because when they see other people praying, yes, they are very energetic. But do they have a personal prayer life? You see, your life would be the outcome of your secret work with God. Understand that. And I'm not saying when we pray in church, you should not pray loud. But, you see, you cannot fake a prayer life and have the fruits of a praying life. The fruits of a praying life. So, let's read on. Now, Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer. My popular verse, Mark 1.35, quickly. Mark 1.35, because we're going to pray today. Okay, we'll not just teach about prayer. We'll teach and we'll pray. Mark 1.35. Look at this. Now, if you read from verse 29, can we read very quickly? Verse 29. And immediately after that, Mark 1, chapter 1, and immediately after that, they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. And immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. He came to her, raised her up, took, taking her by the hand, the fever left her, she waited on them, she served them. Right? She got healed and she served them. She didn't say, ah, you know, you people, you put you just managed today, I'm just recovering. No, she served Jesus after she got healed. Now, when evening came after the sun, I said, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. Now, look at this. Look at this with me. Verse 33. And the whole city gathered at the door. The whole city gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Would you say, in our estimation of a ministry, this was a successful ministry campaign? Would you say yes? Talk to me. Would you say yes? The whole city gathered. Many people were healed. What would you think a, a good preacher should do after having such powerful meeting at the whole city? Imagine Faith Refreshers Conference, the whole of Bonnie Island gathers. We get many people healed. We get many demons cast out. What do you think you would advise me to do on a Monday morning? Talk to me. For my mental health, what do you think you will tell me to do? Go and rest. Do you think if you have this kind of ministry, you would have many things to pray about? I want to show you something about prayer. Because you realize that a lot of ministers, including myself, this is what we are praying about to happen. Right? That the whole city be gathered. That the power of God moves in our meeting. So imagine if you had had this as a success. Look at the lifestyle of Jesus. Verse 35. Look at this. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went away to a secluded place and was praying there. The question is, what was Jesus looking for? In fact, the disciples came to meet him and said, we are looking for you. They found him and said, everyone is looking for you. That means he went to hide where he will not be easily seen. Imagine having such a successful campaign and at 4 a.m., 4.30, Jesus gets up and he's praying. Remember, he wasn't married, so his wife was not giving him an issue. He didn't have children, so it wasn't like, uh, you know, one of his sons was arrested. Can I ask you a simple question? If all your needs were met now, would you get up early to pray? And that's a very serious question. So it means that there was a reason Jesus was praying that we have to find out. Because our prayers, 80% of our prayers are based on our personal comfort. Now, if that comfort has been achieved, would we still pray? Or why should we pray? Why was Jesus praying? He just had a massive campaign. The whole city was gathered. He just had many people healed. Why did Jesus still get up this early? Why didn't he just relax a bit? Then he can take some time to pray. Brother Copeland will always say, every success in the Christian's life is a prayer success. And every failure in the Christian's life is a prayer failure. It's a sense of God. I'll put it to you that our prayer life has largely largely been ineffective because we haven't really learned and believed in the power of prayer. 
We haven't really learned and believed in the power of prayer. Now, let's go on. Luke 9.28. Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer. Luke 9.28. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you blessed? Say amen. Alright. Luke 9.28. Some eight days after the saying, he took along Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. Now, when the Bible says Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, he's not encouraging us to go and climb mountains to pray. This was uh, it, uh, because of the geography of, of that time, the mountains were more calmer. That's where he could find a quiet spot to pray. So Jesus went up and he prayed. Took these disciples up to the mountain to pray. Okay? Luke 6, 12. I think I've taught on the prayer life of Jesus before. Go back and listen to that message. I did an extensive work on the prayer life of Jesus. You can request it or check it out on our website. Luke 6, 12. It was at this time, and he went off to the mountain to pray. Look at this. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Pay attention. We're going to talk about why we pray. I might explain this later, but in case I don't get to it, let me just show you something. What did Jesus do here? Went off to the mountain. Are you, are you here? What did Jesus do? Went off to the mountain to pray. Now observe something. The first time we read, the chapter we just read, he went off to the mountain with some people. But this one, he did what? He went alone. Now how long did Jesus pray? I, I want to hear that loud and clear. How long did Jesus pray? Do you realize it is harder to pray all night alone? Oh, you haven't tried it. You know if I say, as a church, let's come together for all night. We can pray all night. Try it yourself. Huh? Say you want to start by nine. You will pray in your house and pray. I remember the first time I prayed for a very long time. You know, I, close, I usually close my eyes when I pray. So I close my eyes and I'll pray and I'll pray. In my mind, I have done one hour, thirty minutes. I open my eyes. Fifteen minutes. You, you can just say, what kind of rubbish is this? Right? Now, imagine praying all night. Pay attention. Imagine praying all night alone in the mountain. What was Jesus looking for? Picture yourself if you were Jesus. You came from heaven. You are the son of God. Will you ever pray? When they say, let us pray, you say, eh, to who? You see, our, our response to prayer shows we don't understand prayer. Our response to prayer. That's why if we say, let's call a prayer, a prayer meeting. We want to arrest all the arrestors in our life. The place will be full. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Are you still here? Okay. So, let me show you something. Let me show you something. Go to the next verse. I pray the Lord allows me to get to this point as we progress. Because I'm going to deal with this. Why should we pray? Look at this. Next verse. And when they came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Now pay attention. Jesus had several disciples. He had 12 apostles, but he had several disciples. Now, he prayed all night. To choose 12. That tells us something. Right? Like I said, I pray the Lord helps me get there. I would explain it stronger. That's not what I want to teach tonight. But that tells us something. That one of the reasons we pray is so we can make the right choices in life. That's one reason. That means to help him know who to choose from all the disciples to choose 12 men. Jesus did what? Spent all night praying. You know why? The heart of man is deceptive. You need God to help you make the right choices. You know, some people start fire brigade prayer when they want to choose their husband and their wife. And you know, that's almost late. Because they have never heard the voice of God in their life. It is now when they want to marry. How are you sure the voice you heard is of God? Since you are not used to the voice. You see, but you know one thing, and, and I pray, you know, the Lord helps me. You know one thing in life, every day you are making choices. Every moment you are making choices. You see, a prayer life would help you make the right choices. Every day you are faced with choices. And I'll deal with this. I'm going ahead of myself, but I'll deal with this. 
That's why Jesus told them, pray so that you will not enter into temptation. They thought Jesus was just joking. Eh? By the time, <laughs> by the time the persecutors came and arrested Jesus, Peter took sword and cut somebody's ear. He responded in the flesh. And that was what Jesus, is the temptation of responding in the flesh that Jesus was saying, spend time to pray. He didn't listen. See, that's why sometimes you realize that when certain things have happened and you see the way you respond, you ask yourself, why did you respond like that? You see, you haven't spent time in prayer. As you spend time in prayer, difficult situations will come your way and you will respond with love. See, the inability to walk in forgiveness is because you are not a praying person. The way you easily pick offense is because you are not a praying person. See, if you spend time with God, one of the things you will realize over time in your life is that the love of God will begin to flow in your heart. Your, your casual decisions will be, be the right decisions. And we will explore more on this. So if you want, and it's not about praying that, oh God, help me to make your oh Lord, help me not to miss it in life. No. As you spend time fellowshipping with the Lord, you just discover that your natural response to certain things are the right decisions. You will pull a call through at the right time. You will say the right words at the right time. So we'll, we'll deal with that. But that's one reason you should note. In making decisions, do you even pray before you choose your friends? No. You just, I just like, you know, every time I see this person just come to church, do we just sit down quietly? The way just sit down quietly. You now you don't know that some devils are quiet. <laughs> oh, you think it's every devil that is scattered? Oh, some devils are very quiet. Very quiet. Some of you will just choose friends with hairstyle. It's just like the way she packs her hair on one side. Just like you have now followed her and entered a wide road that is not narrow. Can't recover yourself. I've told you this story here many times. Let me just say this. Feel the Lord want me to tell you. You know, one of the things that really helped me to plant this church outside of the Lord's name was our brother Tayo. Some of you know him. We were in Zampara. We served together as coppers. He was playing the keyboard because he plays the keyboard. And I was sitting in church. I was sitting in a fellowship hall, all the coppers. And the Lord spoke to me and says, go and make him your friend. You know, if he was a girl, you know it will be easy. You just know, ah, the Lord has spoken. You start putting your plans together. So, I've never had that kind of, okay, how do you meet a boy and say, we, we, how would you do it? I, I mean, there was nothing. I've never had the case where you just, I mean, you know, sometimes friendship just develops. So, the next week was his birthday, you know, and I can write. So, I just wrote something for him on his birthday, and then from there we became friends, and that's how we became friends, and that was 2006, that was 2006. And then 2013, thereabouts, we planted this work. Now, when we left youth service, we lost contact. Because, I mean, it wasn't like we're close friends, close friends like that. We lost contact. So 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Maybe about six, seven years. Six years later, we reconnected. And that was very instrumental to birthing this work. Now, see where I'm going here. Six years earlier... God, of course, knew what we were going to do in this place. And he knew that this person was going to be responsible, right, for that assignment to happen. And then he speaks to me and says, go make this person your friend. Right? Now, that's, that's, that, that's being led of the Lord. But remember, I did not say I was praying, oh God, show me my friend, I don't want to miss it. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Just having your casual walk with God, God will redirect you. Almost similar, um, similar experience I had with, with my wife. Wasn't very dramatic, very spectacular. You know, some of you are waiting for burning bush experience. It's carnality. Oh God, if it is you, if it is you, let them take light two by two. Let them bring it by one. Are you, are, what kind of Christian are you? Oh God, if it is you, let two bicycles pass and one go to pass this way. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean and, and how you think about your work with God is God making things to happen. No. As you spend time in prayer, you discover that your, your impulse of the inward man will begin to lead you in the right direction. 
Are you following what I'm saying? You just know when to call your manager when he's expecting that call to get something from you. The truth of the matter is that we need to be people who spend more time in prayer. Hallelujah. We need to be what? People who spend more time in prayer. Alright. Now, Luke chapter 11 verse 1 to 4. Luke 11 verse 1 to 4. It happened while Jesus was praying in a certain place after he had finished one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. He says, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Right? Let's stop in verse 2. Now, there are two accounts here. One of the things I want to pick up here is the fact that the disciples of Jesus asked him to teach them how to pray. Now, I want us to go to the Matthew's rendering of this, and that's where I want to pick up from. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Matthew 6, and let's go to verse 9 to 10. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 to 10. He says, pray in this way. Our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Pray in this way. Our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. So it talks about hallowing the name of God. Exalting the name of God. Reverencing the name of God. He says, pray that way. So let's ask ourselves, for instance, can we spend time in prayer just hallowing God's name? Just holding that name in high esteem in prayers, in the place of prayer. Just exalting the name of Jesus. And remember, we are not saying praise God so that he will get something to you. No, we're talking about just hallowing his name, just esteeming his name. It says, when you pray, say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. To be held in high esteem. To be held in reverence. That's why you realize that sometimes the songs we sing, when it talks about exalting the name of Jesus or hallowing the name of Jesus, you know, some of those songs don't mean so much to us. Esteem in the name of Jesus. Says our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. You know that's why sometimes we say, let's, let's lift up the name of Jesus. Let's just exalt him. Let's just thank him. You know what will happen? We'll thank the name of the Lord. But immediately, we'll start looking for certain things to thank him with. Father, I thank you that as we went out today, no bike hit us. Father, we thank you that we're not in the cemetery, but the sanctuary. We have to just find one. Because just exalting the name of Jesus is not, you have to add what he has done. We're talking about exalting his name without even talking about what he has done. Knowing that his name alone is worthy to be hallowed. Since when you pray, Say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. You, you can take your time and go spend some time and, and study that. On hallowing the name of Jesus. Then, he says, why do we pray? Next line. It says, your kingdom come. Everybody say, your kingdom come. Mm. your kingdom come did you see that it means Jesus saying when you pray after hallowing the name of Jesus 
the next thing you need to talk about is the coming of the kingdom. Let your kingdom come. That means our priority in the place of prayer is the coming of his kingdom. Now look at this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to stay on these two verses. On this one verse. Your kingdom come. So what is one of the main reasons we pray is to establish the will of God on earth. To establish the will of God on earth. That's one of the reasons we should pray. To establish the will of God on earth. To establish the will of God on earth. Your kingdom come. The priority of the kingdom of God. The priority of the kingdom of God. Now look at this. Three things Satan wants. Three things Satan wants. Number one, Satan wants you destroyed by deception. Satan wants you destroyed by deception. You see, and let me tell you, eh? let me tell you something. You must pay attention. You see, one of the greatest deception is when we become familiar with the word of God. You know, as I'm teaching now, right? As I'm teaching now, you might just feel, I know about prayer. I know. You, know, you see, you are already deceived. You're already deceived. You see, I, I bought, because I'm studying about prayer, most times when I study, I buy books. So I, I saw a, a brother, you know, write a book about prayer. So I bought it. So he respects me quite a lot. So he just said, me, oh, you know, my office told me you bought this book on prayer. Please, I want you to read it. And help me critique the book and just let. I said, I just told him, I said, I didn't buy the book to critique. I bought it so I can learn. Do you understand that? Because I can pick up that prayer book now and I'm looking, yeah, mm hmm, mm, no, this should not be here. And you realize that you are a professor of prayer who does not pray. Right? I'm writing a book next year, it should be out in January. And I'm writing it for church workers. Because something the Lord began to deal with me about. And I call it the distracted church worker. I know what I mean by the distracted church worker. Is that person who is working so hard in church that they have no time to pay attention to the word of God again. And they are so effective in the mechanics of church, but they are not growing spiritually. That's why when certain things happen, not about this person, no. They're distracted. And so when teachings like this are going on and you already in your mind feel like, you know what? I know prayer. Satan wants you destroyed by what? Deception. What's the number one deception? The feeling that you already know. That's the number one deception. And if Satan puts you in that place, you can be in, you know, We went to Southwest, <laughs> and I was sitting among some ministers. First day, I mean, teacher was going on. The second day, you know, a brother that sat close to me, you know, just told me. He said, um, "He said, brother Copeland is not teaching like he used to teach in those days." So I said, eh. "He said, yes, yes, he's not teaching the way he used to teach in those days." So I said, "Oh, okay." I kept writing down. Realize something. The second day after that, the second day I came, I sat down. And when he was teaching, you know, the thoughts just came up to my heart. Ah, it's true. I just said, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I came here to receive. You see, it looked like it was a good observation. Pay attention. But you know what was happening? Satan wanted to take that. And before you know, I can spend all the millions and go to that meeting and not receive anything. Satan wants to destroy you by deception. Why we pray? I'm talking about why we pray. That's why, you know, it's like I was saying, the testimony I read before now. 
a brother who's been following us in India for years, two and a half years thereabout, from the teachings, from the trainings, received the call of God, has now planted a church in that nation. The same teachings that we all have access to. The same. Not, I'm not teaching anything different. It's what I teach now that they send out. Number two, Satan wants you to walk out of the will of God. Satan wants you to walk out of what? The will of God. Can I tell you something? Satan does not care about how you live as far as you are not in the will of God. So Satan wants you to... Because I'm going to talk about Satan. I want to expose something about Satan, about why we pray. When he says, let your kingdom come, the question we need to ask ourselves is, what is opposing the kingdom of God? It is Satan. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, whatever is opposing the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth is Satan. So one of the reasons we need to pray is to... Is to um, um, not to conquer Satan. He's already been conquered. Is to remove the influence of his deception from people's eyes, including certain believers, and sometimes including ourselves. That's why you realize that at certain times the Lord began to begin to prompt certain things in your heart. Why? To overtake Satan's deception. Okay? So Satan wants you destroyed by deception. Satan wants you walking out of the will of God. And the reason I said that. Right? Let me just say this quickly. The reason I said that is even as a minister of the gospel, that's why I gave you two examples about the church worker and as a pastor. As a minister of the gospel, you can put yourself in a position where you are not learning God's word anymore. So, as you are reading the Bible, you are looking at sermons. As you are listening to any teacher, you are looking. So, before you know, you, Satan has deceived you. That's why, <laughs> that's why Jesus told the Jews. He says, listen. He says, this book you are reading, you are searching them for light. He says, but this book talks about me. If you are actually reading this book to learn, it will point you to me. If you are reading the book to learn, it will point you to me. So, you don't read the Bible for sermons. You don't even read the Bible just to say, I've completed my reading schedule for this month. No, you don't do that. You read it to apply to live. Are you following this now? Alright, number three... Satan wants you to remain a carnal Christian. What's a carnal Christian? A carnal Christian is someone who is born again but still lives like an unbeliever. So Satan wants you to remain a carnal Christian. Number one, Satan wants you destroyed by deception. Number two, Satan wants you walking out of the will of God. Number three, Satan wants you remaining a carnal Christian. Now, Satan is identified as the God of this world. I want to explain something to you. Follow me. Satan is identified as the God of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Let's turn there. Why should we pray? 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, can we read verse 3? It says, and even our gospel is veiled. Pay attention here. It says the gospel is veiled, is covered. It is veiled to those who are perishing. It says, in whose case, in whose case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. It says, the God of this world. So, Satan is identified as the God of this world. Satan is identified as the God of this world. Now, pay attention here. The phrase, that phrase, the God of this world, or the world, the world, the word, W-O-R-D, use world, use there, W-O-R-L-D, is aeon, the God of this age. Alright? So, the phrase, the God of this world, or the God of this age, indicates... Now, that Satan is the major influence on the ideals the opinions, the goals, the hopes, the views of the majority of people. He influences, his influence also encompasses the world's philosophies, education, and commerce. 
the thought, the ideas, the speculations and false religions of the world are under his control and have sprung from his lies and his deception. So when the Bible says the God of this age, that Satan is the God of this age, what the Bible is trying to say is that the, the, the ideas of this age, the philosophies of this age, the concepts of this age, the commerce of this age is influenced by Satan. I've told you many times, there is nothing designed in this world that is to help you mature as a believer. Nothing. Everything designed is for your distraction. For your distraction. There is a new phone coming out and all they need to do is to just say X. This one is uh, phone Y2X. 300,000. So you buy. Next year by this time, they say this is XI. It has one camera extra. You see, the truth of the matter is, if you ask how many pictures you took with your ex, right? It's maybe 400. With this ex, you don't even know the difference in the picture if they show you. You see, but you know what the God of this world have done? That thing will lead you to discontentment. It will lead you to grumbling. Before you know, you will chase after that. You will buy that. They now say, ah, the new ex, I slim. Then all they do is to reduce the phone from 6 kg to 3.5 kg. You are not happy again. Until... Now, it looks like it's commerce. It looks like it's money. But the God of this world is influencing covetousness. See, it is prayer that would help you pull back from that. So the ideals, the philosophies of the world is shaped by Satan. And these are the philosophies that oppose the kingdom of God. See, let me tell you the truth. The reason many people cannot serve God today is money, nothing else. That's one side. Eh? The second side. The reason many people are serving God today is money. You hear what I'm saying? Are you hearing? Some people are not serving God because they are chasing after money. Some people are serving God so he will give them money. So you realize that you see, Satan has so exalted money in our midst that it did. In fact, I've even heard ministers say anointing without money is annoyance. From the pulpit. And so you see somebody who say, I'm anointed and annoyed. Why? I don't have money. But when Jesus sent out the disciples, what did he say? He said, take nothing. Then he asked them, when I sent you, did you lack anything? They said nothing. What about if we emphasize? That the provisions in ministry are tied to the sending of God. What will people pay attention to more? Ask themselves, am I sent? So we say Satan is the God of this world. More scriptures about that. John 12, 31. Can you give me that very quickly? John 12, 31. Talk about the establishment of the kingdom of God and then we're going to pray. John 12, 31. Quickly, help me please. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. He calls him the ruler of this world. Satan governs the world. Why? Because Adam sold his authority to Satan. You see, one of the things we are praying, we need to pray about the birthing of the kingdom of God, is so God can take charge in the systems of the world. See, we have gone to a place, we have come to a place, let me say it, and I pray that the, the, the burden in my heart, God helps you to get it. We've come to a place in our society right now where people practically pay for special centers for their children. I hope you were not paid for like that, but God forgive you if you were. Where a Christian parent will say, where are they writing the exam? Say, here is special center where the children will be showed the answer. Here is no special center. Say, special center, Mr. Samuel says 12.5. Okay, don't worry. How much? He says, the country. Oh, is it not the country? He says, the country. And you have Christians testifying of exams they passed with cheating. In those days when people got born again at final year, listen to me, listen to me, why we should pray. When people got born again at final year and they realized that the results they used to enter school was fake, they will go to the admission hall and say, this result, I was not the one that wrote it. I'm now born again. See, we said they were fools. Hmm? I know two students who left final year. They got born again. Say, that result, somebody wrote it for me. 
I cannot with my conscience graduate with that. And they started again. They were foolish. They are not wise. <laughs> Your own is not that they wrote for you. You are planning. And that's what I'm telling you about praying. Then I'm praying. Because so that when you face those temptations, you will be able to say, listen, I'm standing. What will make you stand is if you have prayed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Says the God of this world. Let's go on. John 14.30, quickly. John 14.30. Give me John 14.30. Satan, identified. He says, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. So Jesus consistently identifies Satan as the ruler of the world. Ephesians 2.2, please. Ephesians 2.2. Write these scriptures down. We're going to pray shortly. Ephesians 2.2. Why should we pray? Verse 1. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the curse of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So there is a spirit at work in the world that seeks to make men disobey God. Can I tell you something? There is nothing you do in this world that will spark reaction like if you stand for Christ. I don't know if you follow the news sometimes. You see players in American football being dropped because they prayed before they wanted to go into the field. Right? I don't know how many of you watch the... the and of course, understand me. I don't teach all those conspiracy theories, but I just want to say, how many of you watch the Prime Minister of... Um, of Britain, you know, he's, he's, he's a Buddhist, an Indian Buddhist. When he was going to turn uh, Downing Street, what happened? He performed his... Did anybody make noise about it? Nobody. If he was a Christian who knelt down to pray before he entered that office, the whole world... Do you realize, listen to me, and you just got to pray, do you realize the symbol of the rainbow, right? Is now identified with LGBTQSYW because they are always adding iniquity to iniquity. It used to be LGBT before. Now there's Q, there's Y, there's X. It's just deprivation of mind to wherever they are going to. They have seized that rainbow. So when you talk about the rainbow, the colors, it does not even align to our mind that that was a covenant God established with his children. Immediately you see the rainbow, even what comes to your mind. Is gay. Are you following? The spirit in the world. That's why we need to pray for the kingdom of God to invade the systems of the earth. Because in our own time, our children sit in school and people are being taught that you can change your gender. You see, we are not saying anything about it. Yeah, I don't mind those white people. We'll give it some time. You realize that even in our own nation, people will start changing their gender. That's how gay movement entered. Hmm? First time you watched it in film. Ah, God forbid these people. Now it is you telling the other person, ah, that one is gay. It's not normal to you. You, you, you can even tell, two, just watching movie, you can tell two people, I think that one is gay. Mm, I told you. I told you. Now, it, is, it does nothing to your conscience anymore. It, there's nothing. It's just normal. Hey, all these white people. <laughs> and then you just realize that spirit is infiltrating. It's not a big deal. Now it's about changing gender, I tell you. If we don't stay in the place of prayer, 10, 15 years from now, it's the conversation we'll be having. See, because what the spirit of this world does is that it breaks into the culture of men. Forget it. You will not say you're African, you will not say anything. That spirit will invade. So we've come to a place in our nation where, where corruption is, is, is institutionalized. My friend called me. <laughs> You see, we need to pray. My friend called me. I was telling me. I shouldn't even say that because it has to do with church. But let's go ahead. Right? We've come to a time in our world where a minister will bring another minister to raise money from his own people so that both of them will share after. Even if you don't have conscience, don't you feel for those you lead? Do you understand what I'm saying? All you need for people not to respect you today is to say you are a pastor. They are, they are thieves. 
the spirit of this age. That's why we need to. Why do we pray? You are comfortable. God has blessed you. What about the invasion of the spirit of this age in our school? Right? Cultism starting from primary school. Cultism starting from primary school. A little girl was telling me of someone who was suspended in their class for cheating during exam. She's in primary five. So you start from primary five, primary four. She was in primary four and then you start from primary four cheating in exams. Primary four, my brothers. Primary four. You start at that level. And that's why children ministers and people who teach as teenagers, I told you to pay attention to this message. Because, you see, A is for Abraham, C is for Christ, is not what will remove. (laughs) It is intercession for those children that they will not come under the spirit of the age. Right? Because I want us to pray tonight. And I'll build on this. And you know me. I don't teach all these conspiracy things and everything, but I I want to show you something. Do you realize that out of the 10 prominent top secular musicians in this country, if you go and trace their roots, they will all tell you that they came from church. Now, hear what they will say. Very logical. The church did not support us. Okay. So, the church did not support you. You now left the church. and went to sing about drugs. Listen to our music. Take, take the lyrics of our secular music and pull it apart. It's either drugs, sex, drugs, sex, and money. Pay attention. Pick the young man in the streets and ask them what they are battling with. It's either looking for more money or a sexual problem or a drug problem. The very things people sing about all the time because the prince of the power of the air has released that. And people now walk. That now works in the songs of disobedience. And you know, the, you know the interesting thing? As Christian musicians, we now envy those people. Satan wants to deceive you by what? Deception. So we copy their dance, we copy their style, and we import everything because the only thing we cannot say on the altar is sex, drugs, and money. Right? But there's nothing wrong with their dance steps. Why should you pray? It's so that when you see an unbeliever like that, your heart should bleed for their soul. Not that you'll be, you'll be feeling that God has shortchanged you for being a Christian. You, there's no that. Ah, if it's not this Christianity thing, how many guests I would have handled in this body? It's just God. You, you feel you are losing. You have not seen the unrighteousness in it. You just feel you are losing that ah this thing ah, ah, this heaven thing. Some people are just saying, I'm not even going. You see, because they have not understood, and, and, you, and that is why we should pray. Because child of God, we've seen people in church that God blessed, and they took that money and ran after women from the church. Church workers, ex workers now, because they are retired. Because whatever brought them to church, they have gotten it. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Why should you pray? <laughs> Why should you pray? Look at this. Look at this. Matthew 4 8. Why should you pray? And I'm going to close here and I'll pick up from it. Are you, are you, are you, are you seeing why we should pray? You know, in this, our beautiful island. You know teenage pregnancy is a big thing. Right? You don't know. Tell, look at me in my eye and tell me you don't know. You know it's a big issue. Alright. Have you seen the reputation of the circle? Now, it's everywhere. I'm just talking here. Have you seen the reputation of the circle? A young girl grows up from a single home because the father is not available. Training, setting this are not done. Goes to school. Gets pregnant. Starts a single... And you now have two, three generations walking that circle. And if you ask them, they will tell you, this is not how I wanted my life to go. So what is directing your life in that direction? 
That's why we are going to pray for the island today. That the kingdom of God will come. I read a lot about this island before we came to plant church. And I, 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 I might miss the year. Let me not give the year. But I, I might miss the year. But there was a particular time where UNICEF gave statistics that on this island, we had the highest HIV AIDS rate in Nigeria. This is our beautiful island. So why should we pray? That same thing happened in Uganda. And Robert Kayanja took the church and they began to intercede and break that power. Go read. Go and read. There was a time where the HIV age rate in Uganda was devastating. And the church began to push back in prayers. And that thing dropped. Why should we pray? So prayer school this year is to show us how to pray for the kingdom. It's not more shoes. I hear what I'm saying. It's not more promotion. It's so the kingdom, because the challenges we are having has to do with the fact that the kingdom has not invaded. Let's say, I was telling Pastor Mary, you know, we are praying for preservation, right? Let's say we are praying for preservation and security. Why are we praying for preservation and security? So that somebody will not kidnap you. Why is that person planning to kidnap you? Look at this, right? The God of this world is influencing that man to feel if I kidnap this person and hold him, I will make more money. What is he going to use the money for? Drugs and women. Are, are, you, are you following why we should pray? That the light of God will come. So let's look at this so that we pray. Matthew 4. So, Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 to 9. Let me show you something. Hmm? Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. Who is the him here? Who is the him here? Do you realize that if Satan had the audacity to tempt Jesus, he would tempt you? If Satan had the audacity to deceive, he wanted to deceive Jesus, oh, he would deceive you. Uh, do you. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? He will want to deceive you. That's why Peter says, give no foothold to him. And that's why he said that sometimes when people become carnal, they feel they are now more matured. Say, I don't do religion anymore. I just have God in my heart. I don't do religion. It's just me and God. I don't do church. I just do Jesus. You, you think you are matured. You are carnal. <laughs> eh? That's why your prayer life has dropped. So I just pray in my heart. Say, even as I'm just driving to work, you know, I, I just speak in tongues. So powerful, but I just speak in tongues as I'm going to work. I just speak to the Father. I speak to the man upstairs. It's not Father again, sir, because you now understand grace. Father is religious term. So I just talk to the man upstairs. <laughs> and Satan says, this one is gotten. Next one. And you look around society and you see the massive invasion of Satan. That's why we invest in our teenage ministry to go preach to the children and everything. Because it's, 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 a, it's a mission field on its own. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Look at what he told you. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus did not tell Satan, you are lying. He didn't say, oh, you are lying. You don't have them. Mm -mm. He says, next verse. He says, Jesus said to him, go Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. See what Satan promised Jesus if he worships him. Satan is still promising people today. The one reason why that person is walking out of the will of God is he feels that if he walks in the way of Satan, he will get these things. And saints, even in ministry, we now have to be careful to see that we are not using ungodly means to do the work of God. It is in our generation, I have seen pastors come up and say they went to meet somebody to give them power to grow their church. If a pastor can leave his office and go and meet a herbalist to get power to grow church, you now know that there's a problem. Which means that he does not believe that the God who called him can bring men. 
Are you following what I'm saying? So let me stop here because of time because I want us to pray. So we're going to build from here. So why was Jesus praying? Is to break the influence. And I'll talk about the kingdom from here next Wednesday. And I want you to follow this series because I'm, I am believing that as a church, one of the things we're going to do is to pray for the kingdom of God to invade this island. We want to see teenagers come to the Lord in their numbers. And that's why one of the things we're doing this month in our TCC church is to teach them revival stories so that they will have new heroes and know how the power of God had worked in the life of people. Because saints, if we continue the way we are going, it's a massive onslaught of the kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of light. And see, if we are in the kingdom of light, we don't need to give Satan any Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.